So we're going to read together from Genesis chapter 50. Uh, we're going to read together from verse 15 to verse 21. Okay, in count of three. Genesis 50, verse 15 to 21. One, two, three. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, It may be that Joseph will hit us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, Please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brother also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for I am in the place of God. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for this wonderful, wonderful passage that we just read. And I just pray that in the next 40, 50 minutes, Lord, that you help us to truly understand uh, the beauty, the, the glorious beauty that lies in this passage. And open our eyes to see, because if you do not open our eyes to see, Holy Spirit, all we receive is information. But when you open our eyes to see, when we leave this place with revelation that transforms our heart. So I pray, do that, Holy Spirit. Enlighten our eyes. Illuminate our hearts. That when we read this word and when we understand that, we pray that it will transform our life forever. Thank you. And we ask this in the name of beloved Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Okay, before we sit, okay, let's try it. Do this. We haven't tried this in a while. But if you love Jesus in this place, make some noise. Okay, you can do better than that, okay? One more time. If you love Jesus in this place, make some noise. Woo! Okay? Okay, you guys may be seated. Okay, uh, let's try to be noisy, okay, today. Um, today's passage is actually one that I found very encouraging. It's one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. It's very simple, but it's very, very profound. Okay, let's start. How many of you ever get hurt or ever hurt anyone in a relationship? Can, you, can I see your hand? If you ever hurt anyone or get hurt in a relationship, if you do not raise your hand, you're an angel in human form, yeah? And we adore you. But normally, um, in every relationship, you will either hurt someone or you will get hurt by someone or both. Or you might be experienced both. You might experience... Um, one time you hurt another, and the other time the other person hurt you. No. Okay? And whenever that happens, whenever you get hurt or was hurt by someone, you have two choices pretty much in life, right? You either let it go, or you keep it to yourself. And somehow it, your hearts become more and more, more frozen because of that. So, and which one is the right answer? Which one is the right answer? To let it go or to keep it in your heart? You guys know the right answer, right? What is the right answer? Okay? We're gonna, you know it. You sing it all the time, right? Let it go. Let it go. The pain can hold me back anymore, right? You know it. We sing it all the time. We sing it with our kids. You know, we love Elsa. And, but for whatever reason, even though we know that in terms of pain, some, we have to let it go. If we can be honest with ourselves, sometimes what we do is we keep it to ourselves, right? We, we do not want to admit it, but it's somewhere in our heart. And so, we, so the pain stacks, you know, pain after pain after pain after pain. And eventually what happens is this. Your heart becomes frozen. Your heart becomes frozen. Just become really, really cold. You know, I was going to title this sermon, Let It Go, Hashtag Unfrozen. But, you know, I might get in trouble by Disney, so I changed the three most important lessons that you can learn in life. So, so, but, yeah. So the idea is this, that you know 
that when those things happen, when those unpleasant things happen, you know that we, are, we ought to let it go, right? We cannot keep it to ourselves. But yet, you know, when, when, when life hits you, when, you know, when that moment comes, when you just don't understand, God, why did you let these things happen to me? God, why did you let this happen to the people that I love? God, why? And when those why moments come into your life, your favorite word is my initial. You say to God, God, why? 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 Some of you do not even know that I have three Y in my name, okay? So my middle name starts with Y as well. Okay, so why, 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 God? Why did you do? What did you allow this to happen to me? And if we're not careful, and if we're not careful, slowly our heart become very, very frozen. We become very, very cold people. We become very unforgiving toward one another. And the truth is this: in terms of relationship, a lot of time the people that hurt you the most is the people are closest to you. Am I right? The people that hurt you the most are the people that are closest to you. So you ask the question like, you know, you know, why? What did I see? Why did my boyfriend cheated on me, right? Why did my best friend disappointed me? Oh, why did my business partner, you know, betrayed me? So we come to this question and we ask God, why? Why? Why did you allow this to happen, Lord? And I believe tonight, tonight from this story, this beautiful story of Joseph, we will find the answers, okay? I'm going to give you three truths. Three truths to stand on when the why of the world hits you in the face. Okay, three truths, just three, simple. So, but in order for us to understand this, let me go back to Genesis chapter 37. So, have you been reading the story of Joseph? I mean, have you been reading the story of Joseph for the last couple of weeks, right? If you've been reading, you know this story is beautiful. If you don't, don't worry. For the next eight minutes, I'll catch you up. Okay, so this is what happened in Genesis 37. Jacob has how many sons? 12. So, so remember what happened uh, last time I preached? Uh, he had two wives, uh, Rachel and uh, Leah, and they, what they do? They just poop, 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 and they give babies like that, and then babies after beast were born, and then all of them are male, most of them are male. So uh, Jacob ended up with 12 sons. So, and then out of these 12 sons, Jacob had one favorite son. His name is Joseph. And it is ridiculous, you know, parents, you shall not do this, but this has happened. So apparently, Jacob, uh, Joseph was Jacob's favorite. So think about it. So every time they had dinner together, family dinner, all the brothers, they will eat well done steak, a.k.a. Impal, if you're from Indo, right? But Joseph, he will be so what? Medium rare Kobe beef. You know, it's so, so different. And then all Joseph's brothers, they will wear clothes from Kmart and Target. And, but, but for Joseph, Joseph, Jacob bought him Armani suit, right? So it's very different. And, and so because of that, the brothers are like, you know, this, this, this dude, you know, they just hated Joseph. And make, to make things worse, Joseph had a dream. You remember what Joseph's dream? Joseph had a dream that his brother bowed down and worshipped him. And then to make things worse, he actually told the dream to his brothers. Brothers, do you know, you can't believe what I just dreamed. What? You guys worship me. And he was like, what? Right? And then to make things worse, he had another dream. And this time it's even worse. He had a dream that sun, moon, and stars bow down and worship him. <laughs> like, what kind of dream is that? And he tells his family. And, and, and that's because of that, his brothers just hated him. Man, this, 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 this brother of us is a prick, you know. He's this jerk, and, and they hated him. So one day, so one day, what happened is this. Um, so one day, the brothers was out in the field, you know, shepherding the flocks. And then one day, Jacob said to Joseph, Joseph, why don't you hit post on your PlayStation Genesis for a bit? And why don't you carry this fruit? Why don't you bring this fruit to your brothers? They're hungry. So what did Joseph do? Joseph followed. Joseph obeyed. So Joseph took the food and bring it to his brothers. But do you know what he did? He actually wore his Armani suit to fill. So this is crazy. So imagine that. Imagine your Uber food driver. You can knock on your door, bring your food, and he was wearing Armani suit. What would you think? Like, 
bro, how much do you make per week, man? Right? So this is illogical. So Jake and Joseph, where his arm is still to the field, uh, to his brother, and his brothers just finally have enough. You know, we can't take this anymore. So what did they do? They threw him into pit, and they wanted to kill him. But they decided, no, actually, we can make money by selling him as a slave. So they did. They sold Jacob as a slave. Are you with me so far? No. Joseph, sorry. They sold Joseph as a slave. Okay? Now, let's pause here for a bit, yeah? You know the end of the story, right? Do you know what happened at the end? It's going to be a happy ending. Let me tell you. Just ruin the story for you. It's going to be a happy ending. Okay? The story of Joseph ended up with happy ending. But let me tell you, because we know the happy ending, sometimes we do not realize how evil the act of his brothers are. Like, just imagine it. How many of you have brothers, okay? Not 12 brothers. How many of you have brothers, okay? How many of you ever have your brothers try to sell you as a slave? Okay. Or how many of you ever try to sell your brothers as a slave? Or let me, let me check that. How many of you wish you can sell your brothers as a slave, okay? Okay, <laughs> see? See, this, this thing happened. And, and, but when you actually did it, you know that this is an act of evil. So the brothers, imagine that the brothers that spent 17 years, you know, playing together, eat together, sleep together. They sold you as a slave. This is a pure act of evil. And this is something that we need to understand. So I'm pretty sure jo- um, Jacob, um, Joseph at the time was like, why did you allow this to happen to me, God? And then make a long story short, what happened? So Jacob, Joseph was bought by a man by the name of Potiphar. So Potiphar bought Joseph. And then there's one weird thing that happened, you know. Uh, if you read Genesis 39, verse 3, it says this. But the Lord was with Joseph. Do you remember that line? This is very weird because if, if I was Joseph and I look at my life, I do not feel like God was with me. I was sold as a slave by my own brother. How, how, does, it, how does it equal to the Lord was with me? It does not mean, that's not, you know, it's just crazy. But then we found out that Jacob became, uh, Joseph became very successful. He became very successful to the point that Potiphar trusted him with all his belonging until finally Potiphar's wife found, ooh, this guy, check him out, right? So this, 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 this girl, I mean, I love Potiphar's wife, man. Potiphar's wife is just my kind of girl. Like, he doesn't even try to hide his intention, right? He's just like, Joe, lie with me now, right? So in Hebrew, it's actually, it's a lot worse. In Hebrew, it's like, Joe, sex, now. It's like that. And you know, it's like, she doesn't play, you know, around the bush. She just goes straight frontal. I want to have sex with you. Boom. And then, and then Joseph like, no, me, spotty, sex, no. M, sex, no. M, sex, no. So Joseph, sex, no. No. Sex, no. Sex, no. So eventually what happened after a while, uh, Potiphar's wife got really angry and then he accused Joseph of raping her. Remember that story? So and then because of that, Joseph was thrown into prison. And then again, the Bible said what? And the Lord was with Joseph, and this is weird, right? I mean, well, hold on a second. He was accused of raping someone who did, did not. And then he was thrown into jail because of it. How on earth this equal the Lord was with Joseph? But that's what happened in the story. And the Lord was with Joseph. Are you with me so far? And, but you know, okay, you know what happened at the end, right? You know that behind all of this story, what actually happened is this. God is actually weaving another story behind the scene. That Joseph had no clue. And then you know what happened the next you know, few years later. Joseph was promoted into be, to the second most powerful man on the greatest empire of his days. He became prime minister of Egypt. You remember that story? Okay, so this is what happened. Okay, so finally, after a few years, Jacob, uh, Joseph became prime minister. And then he became very rich. And then famine happened. And then finally, every, no one has the food except for Egypt. Then finally, his brothers came to Egypt and said, Oh, we need food. And then after a few years of interaction, finally, 
Finally, Joseph revealed himself. You know, this has to be one of the most dramatic moments in the scripture, you know. Every time I read this, I imagine what happened between, uh, you know, Dark Feather and Luke Skywalker. Are right? you guys with me? You know, when finally Dark Feather revealed his identity, you're like, oh, brothers, I am your brothers. And, and everyone's, whoa, oh my gosh, Joseph's still alive. And this is what happened. I believe that's, that's how the story goes. Some day they were afraid. If Joseph going to kill us now, you know, after all these years, what did Joseph will do to me? And then we come to this beautiful, beautiful passage. Genesis chapter 45 says this. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourself because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land for these two years. And there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth. And to keep alive for you many survivors. And first eight is extremely crucial. One of the best verses in the whole Bible. So this is what Joseph said. So it was not you, but who? But God. It was not you who sent me here, but who? God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. I love this verse. So basically, just to say, you know what? All this thing that happened was not you. It's God. Love it. Okay? So a few years, 17 years later, Genesis chapter 50. Now we hit the road. Genesis chapter 50. So what happened is this. After 17 years of Joseph showing kindness, love toward his brothers, uh, something happened. Uh, that is, his father died. Jacob died. Jacob passed away. And now, because Jacob passed away, the brothers start to think, oh my gosh, now that the father died, our father died, now is the perfect time for Joseph to take revenge on us, right? So they don't, they don't get it. So they, they, they thought that all this time, uh, Joseph forgiven them just because the, for the sake of the father. His father. But now, so when, when the brothers come up with this uh, uh, scheme and say, you know what, before your father died, he gave commandment, he gave command uh, to say, to tell you, you know, Joseph, please forgive your brothers. And then Joseph cried. You know why Joseph cried? Because Joseph had forgiven them ages ago. Yet the brothers continue to live in guilt, continue to live in guilt. They do not trust the kindness, the goodness, and the love that Joseph has shown to them. Are you with me so far? Okay, you with me? We caught up in a, where we're going to go, okay? And then, in reply to his brother's scheme, Joseph will reveal to us three sentences, okay? And Derek Kittner says this, these three sentences are the pinnacle of Old Testament and New Testament faith. These three sentences pretty much sum up all of Christian faith. So that's the, my sermon outline. Three sentences, three lessons, Three points, okay? That's it. And then after that, you go home. But it's a bit long, so bear with me. Okay? So just three sentences, three points, three lessons. That's it. So this is what we're going to learn together. And let me tell you, okay? I don't know how you were raised in Sunday school. I'm sorry, Sunday school teacher. I like to make fun of you. Um, I don't know how you're raised in Sunday school, but a lot of time when we read the story of Joseph, we go to like, the story of Joseph tell us, if you say no to Potiphar's wife and you're faithful in the jail, God will make you the next prime minister of Australia. All right? That's how I was raised in the Sunday school, something like that. Okay, oh, sorry, Rivka, if you don't teach like that, you're a better teacher than my teacher. But that's how a lot of time we were teach. Like, if you just stay faithful to God and you just say no to sin, one day God will promote you. Okay? But let me tell you, that is not the point of the story of Joseph. Let me tell you, the whole point of the whole story of Joseph is one, that there is a God who is in control of history and that God is in control over every single 
area of your life. That's it. That's the whole point of the story of Joseph. So three, three sentences, three points, three lessons. First one, okay? What can we learn from the story of Joseph? Okay, the first one in verse 19 says this, But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? Okay, the first lesson that we can learn from the story of Joseph is this. We need to refuse to play God. Okay, now some of you are like, I don't play God. In fact, we do. What do we mean by playing God? Playing God is this. Playing God basically is you're trying to tell yourself and everyone around you this, that you know what is best for yourself. That you have the right to define what is right and wrong for yourself. That's what it means to play God. So from in Joseph's case, think about it. By this time, Joseph was the most powerful pe- person on the earth, right? He pretty much, like, like he's like the Thanos of his days. With a snap of a finger, he can kill all his brothers, right? He's just that powerful. With a snap of a finger, he can kill his brother without sweating, single sweat. Like just that moment, bam, and they died. But do you know what Joseph did? He said, what? No, brothers. Am I in the place of God? You know, I love the way Max Lucado put it. Max Lucado put it this way. Blessed is the man who know that there is only one God and stop applying for the position. Blessed is the man who know that there is only one God and stop applying for the position. The problem with you and me is this. We want to be God. We want to play God and we try to apply for the position and God keeps saying, nope, sorry, not available. It's my role. But yet we continue, okay? So there are two ways. There are two ways that I can see how we play God and the two fruits, okay? The first way is this. The first way we can play God is uh, we try to play God by thinking that we have the right to decide what is right and wrong for ourselves. Okay. Now, do you remember the story of Adam and Eve? Okay, if you read Genesis 1 to 3, this is what happened, right? So in the beginning, God created Adam and Eve, and God created creation for Adam and Eve to enjoy. So what did God do? Adam, enjoy creation. Eat as much as you want. Play with as many animals as you want. So probably, you know, Adam can, you know, wrestle with lion and bear at the time, you know. You, you can do whatever you want. You can enjoy as much food as you want. You can enjoy all of my creation. But there's only one thing that you cannot do. Remember what that thing? Do not eat that tree. Remember? Just, just one. So, basically God says this. You know what? I'm giving you one million privileges. And I can be, I'm giving you one prohibition. Just one. Do not eat that fruit. And then come a snake, shh, Adam, eat, eat, for when you eat, you become like God. Remember that, that line? So this is what the snake is saying. The snake is saying this, Adam, why on earth would you submit yourself under God's authority? You can be like God. You can decide what is right and wrong for yourself. You can be God to yourself. You don't need God to tell you what is right and wrong. So ever since that moment, ever since that moment, Adam and Eve said, oh, yeah, that's actually true. So they ate, and what happened? Chaos. And all of our problems resulted from that one mistake. Adam and Eve tried to play God for themselves. And that's my problem and your problem. Okay, we did this weeks ago. Let me try one more time. Just try to think of one of the biggest regrets in your life. Okay, just one. Just try to think of one of the biggest regrets in your life. Like, if you're like Edric H., you have many. If you're my age, you have one or two. So try to think of one of the biggest regrets in your life, okay? Have you done it? Can you think of one? Let me tell you. Right now, there's about like 50 of us in here, right? There's like 50 different scenarios playing in your head right now. But let me tell you, all of them is the same. What happened is this. You choose to trust yourself 
and do things your own way rather than trusting God. Am I right? That's what caused your deepest regret, and that is sin. Sin is you decided to play God for yourself. That's number one. Number two. Number two is this. We try to be God to other people around us. Now, okay, what, this is what I mean. When you try to be God to other people around you, you have this tendency to think like, you know what? I think I know what's best for your life. I think I know what's best, what is the right decision for you to take. So you begin to control other people's life. You begin to say, you know what? This is what I want you to do. And, and there's a beautiful story in the Old Testament, uh, the story of a man by the name of Naaman. Have you heard the story of this man by the name of Naaman before? So there's a general of Syria. One day he came to the king of Israel. He says this, king, I'm sick. I have leprosy. I want you to heal me. And this is what the king of Israel say. Hold on a second. You know what? This is what he did. The Bible actually says that he ripped out his clothes and he says this, am I God to kill and make a life? Do you know what the king actually say? The king actually says this. I'm a king. I can do many things. I can give you lands. I can give you title. I can give you power. But do not come to me and ask me to heal you out of leprosy. That's the only one that can do that is God, not me. So do not come to me to meet your deepest needs because I'm not God. I'm just a king. And this is what happened, okay? And I'm going to show you how this problem, you know, this is actually the root problem of every relationship, okay? Can Hughes put it in a very, very nice way? Can Hughes put it this way? Much of our relational trouble come from our attempting to be God in other people's lives. Can you agree with that? Much of our problem, much of our relational trouble comes from our attempting to be God in other people's life, okay? In order to make it clear, I'm going to give you three examples in the context of our church, okay? First example is the relationship within me, the pastors, and you as the church, okay? The congregation. If you know me well, then you know I'm a thinker. Like, I, I not only think, I always plan 10 steps ahead. I'm a planner. I'm a thinker. I always know what my next steps are. So uh, we have this discussion in KM. You know, one guy said, you know, yours, oh, he called me Cole. You just all you have to do is throw the nets and make sure, you know, you never know which fish come to the net. And I'm like, I can't do that. I have to fish for a particular single fish that I want. Okay, some of you are laughing. You know what I mean. But some of you are like, what is he talking about? Is this fishing? No, it's not about fishing. But, um, so I'm a planner. I'm a thinker. And I like to plan 10 steps ahead. And... Uh, the thing about me is this. I'm called to be a senior pastor. Okay? I do not know when. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe in five years' time. Maybe in 10, 20. Or maybe in 100 years' time. When I'm 121 years old. You know, before just, you know, before my death. You know, one day before I die, God said, you know, time for you to be a senior pastor. And the next day I died. You never know. But I know that God called me to be a senior pastor. I don't know when. So the question is this. Which church? Okay, do you want to take a guess which church will I pastor? Anyone want to take a guess? Let me tell you. According to my parents' uh, expectation, it's most likely that I will be the senior pastor of this church. Some of you are like, oh no, this guy's my senior pastor? I don't want him, you know. That's okay, man, that's okay. Really, if you do not want me to be your senior pastor, that's fine. When the day comes, when I become a senior pastor, I will hug you, I will walk with you, I will walk to the front door with you, and I'll open the door for you, all right? So, that's a joke, that's a joke, don't do that, man. So if you leave this place, I will cry for 10 seconds, okay? So, um, I, God love you, but I don't like you if you don't like me. 
So that's the that thing. I know that one day I will be a senior pastor. And not only that, let me tell you, I already know what is my first sermon. Okay? Think about it. I didn't even know when I'm going to be a senior pastor, but I already know my sermon when I become a senior pastor. And I already know the title. I already ran on my calendars, on my notes a uh, couple of years ago. Anyone want to guess what the title is? My first sermon as a senior pastor is this. You know, ready? I am not. I am not the Christ. Let me tell you why. Because I have a savior syndrome. Have you heard that before? I have a savior syndrome. This is me. Somehow, I like to think that I know what's best for you. Somehow, I like to think if you just follow my advices, if you just follow what I tell you to do, then your life will be okay. And sometimes I get frustrated. So when people come to me, you know, when you guys talk to me and start telling your story, I'm like, bro, didn't I tell you like five years ago not to do this? And you know, sometimes I get frustrated. You know why? Because I have savior syndrome. I like to think that if you just listen to what I say and do what I say, then your life will be fine. But let me tell you, that is not true. Because why? Because the last time I checked, there's only one Savior, and his name is not Hosea. His name is Jesus Christo, right? His name is Jesus Christ. I am not your Savior, but my tendency, I like to think that I know what's best for you. And I try to play God. And when this happened, when I tried to play God with you, let me tell you, relationship collapsed. Now I become like a dictator in the church. Everybody have to listen to me. Everybody have to follow my way. And eventually people will leave the church. Because I'm not called to be God. I am not called to, be, to meet your deepest need. There's many things that I can do as pastors. I can preach. I can counsel you. I can buy you books from Quran. Like that's what pastors do. I can do many things for you. But do not come to me to meet your deepest need. Because I am not God. I cannot do it for you. I cannot do it. Let me just put it out there. If you try to find a pastor that solves all your problems, this place is the wrong place for you. Because I can't do that for you. But that's the first thing. And as a pastor, and listen, MC leaders, every MC leaders, remember this. You are not God to your people. All you can do is help them to see who the true God is. Point them toward Jesus. This is the true God. It's not me. I'm your leader. Yes, but let me tell you, he is the one who pointed me. So look to him. That's my role as your pastors. Second way. The second way um, we try to play God in our relationship is in a relationship between man and woman. Okay? And on this one, uh, I can't really use my personal story because I'm single. But for those of you um, who's, who's been in a dating relationship, then you know, this is what happens when you begin to love one another, right? Uh, when you begin to love one another, you begin to know one another more intimately. And when you know one another more intimately, whether you like it or not, you begin to familiar yourself with their weaknesses. Right? You begin to see that things that you do not see before. You begin to see their needs and you try to meet it. Is that okay? That's normal. That's how the relationship works. But listen to me. If you're not careful, what happens is this. You begin to see each one another deepest need. And you begin to try to meet that need. And let me tell you, a lot of time that need comes in the forms of weakness. You begin to see their or his or her weakness. And you begin, okay, this is the problem with him or her. And do you know what you do? Because you love him or her, do you know what you do? You try to meet, you try to be the answer. And how do you be the answer? By fixing him or her. Right? If you're in a relationship, you know this. I'm actually telling this because I love you. You need to fix that attitude. And stuff like it. So begin. we try to fix one another. And let me tell you, that is the problem in a relationship. Because you are not called to be God to one another. 
You are called to help one another, encourage one another, but not be God to one another. So in every healthy relationship, there should be a moment where you look your, your partner in the eyes and you rip your clothes, depending on, you know, if you're single, if you're dating, just your shirt, not your bottom. But if you're married, feel free. Uh, you rip your clothes and you say what? Listen, I cannot be your God. I can do many things to you, for you but I cannot meet your deepest need. I can't. Because I am not God. And only then relationship works. And the third thing, relationship between parents and children. I know they, um, all the parents are away today. I don't know where they are. I think they know that I'm going to talk about this subject. That's why they're away. The relationship between parents, well, for one, okay, there's one parent here. Uh, a relationship between parents and children, okay? Um, Disclaimer, I'm not a parent. I don't have kids. I do not know how it feels to be attached to your children. I do not know how it feels to want the best for your children. I do not know how it feels. All I know is this, that my parents love me very, 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 very much. Sometimes I think they love me too much. Okay? My parents love me very much. And this is the thing that happened in a relationship with parents and children. Parents, you want the best for your children, correct? You, because you, you know, you change their diaper, you know, from the moment they, they, you know, they can't do anything with their butt, you clean their butt, to the moment that they finally can clean their own butt, you are there for them. So now it, it creates attachment that you, you, you just want the best for your children. And that is good. That is valid. But let me tell you, you know, all of you will be parents one day. Let me tell you. Parents, future parents, let me tell you, you are not your children's God, and you can never be one. You are not told by God to ensure that your children is safe, secure, and have great future. That is not your role. Your role as a parent is to what? To train your kids in the fear of God and in the faith, to make sure that they know there's one true God who is in control of history, and that's not you. That's name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. So point him or her towards Jesus. That's what we are told to do as a parent. Parents, you are not called to play God in your children's life. There should be a moment where you say, you know what? I'm going to let him go. Let her go and let them explore their faith. Walk with God. Make a lot of mistakes. That's fine. And some of you are like, man, I wish my parents are here. Me too. No, not really. I wish my parents were not here. They're not here. But think, listen. Future parents. Most of you are future parents. You're not called to be your children's God. You're not. You are called to train them in the fear of God. Yes. But you are not called to make sure that their life is secure and safe. You're not called to be God. So stop playing God. Okay? Stop playing God. So how do you know? Then how do you know that you play God? Uh, there's two fruits, okay? Two fruits. The first one, if you're trying to play God, is that you will always have excessive worry, okay? What is excessive worry? Timothy Keller put it this way. Excessive worry comes when you think you are absolutely sure exactly what has to happen, and you're afraid God won't get it right. Anyone know what Timothy Keller is talking about? And when I read that, I like, woo, I know exactly what he's talking about. Because if you're playing like me, you always know, okay, 
in order for life to work, this is what needs to happen. This, 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 this. And you're sure that your plan is the best plan ever. And then you're worried. You know why you're worried? You're worried that God will not get it right. God will not do things according to your plan. And you're excessively worried. And when you do that, then you know you're trying to play God in your life and other people's life. But the second one, the second way that we know that we are playing God is grudge. Grudge is basically saying this. God, you don't have what it takes to run the universe. You got it wrong. You should hammer that person. You should kill that person, you know, because what they did to me. And then because you didn't do it, I'm going to take things to my own hand. I'm going to settle with my own power. And when you do that, you're actually trying to play God. And this is what Joseph said to his brothers. Am I in the place of God? I'm not. I will not play God. I refuse to be God. That's the first thing that we learn. Jake Joseph refused to play God. But the second thing, and this is my favorite part, okay? The second thing that happened is this. We need to learn to see life from God's perspective. Verse 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Now, stick with me. This verse is very simple, but it's very, very profound. Okay? Stick with me. When we look at life from our own perspective, human perspective, we can only see one perspective. Either life is good or life is bad. Correct? Either things work according to your way or things do not work according to your way. Either you're happy because you say yes or you're sad because you say no. So it's either way. So you either interpret life is good and God is good, or life is bad and God is bad. That is normal. That's human perspective. But when we learn to see things from God's perspective, you will learn to see that God allow both good and evil at the same time. Now, let me explain to you. So the first thing that Joseph did is this. The first thing that Joseph did is this. He admit the reality of evil that his brother did against him. This is very crucial. So when his brother came to him and, you know, say sorry, Joseph did not say, you know what, brothers, let's forget it. You know, it's been ages, it's been many years. You guys didn't know better at the time. You know, you know, I was young, you guys were young. But, you know, I'm fine today. I'm king. You guys still slave. You know, I'm fine. I'm cool. He does not try to play dumb. Do you know what Joseph did? Joseph admit the reality of evil committed against him. And this is crucial. Because if not, what do you do most of the time is this. We try to deny. We try to live in denial. Okay, let me give you one example. Uh, many years ago when we were still Rocket International, we did a relationship series called Love Actually. Anyone was there at the time? Love Actually series? A couple of you, right? So um, it's a five-sermon series on relationship. And I get to preach all the five sermons. And um, for one of the sermons... There's one particular sermon that I specifically talk about women and the role of women in relationship, okay? And as you know, I'm a man, and men find, it, find women very complicated, right? So what did I do? In preparation for this sermon, I Googled a lot, okay? I Googled, what does woman want, okay? How does woman think? Why woman is weird? So I Googled all this, 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 this I tried to find all these articles in order to support my sermon. And let me tell you, usually I spend about 18 to 20 hours per sermon preparation. For that sermon, I spend more than 25 hours, okay? I spent a long hours just to preach that one sermon on the role of woman in a relationship, okay? I thought, I thought I did really well, man. Boom! And 
So after the, after the series finished, uh, we sent an online survey to everyone in Rocket International uh, to let us know, give us feedback on how the sermon goes. Uh, and it's cool. And, then, and many people like, you know, it was the bomb. It was so good. It was great. It's amazing. And then, but there's this one particular feedback uh, on the sermon on women. Okay? And this is what the person say. Okay. What does Yoshi know about women? <laughs> and when I read this, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is painful. I mean, ouch. And to make things worse, to make things worse, I know exactly who wrote that comment. Like, it's a her. Let me tell you, it's a her. Women can be cruel sometimes. It's a her. And you know what? Every time I have to meet her on Sunday, I pretend that, that I do not know. I'm like, oh, how are you? I hug, smile, but inside I was bleeding internally. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you said that about me. Right? This is what we do. And that person may or may not be in this room today, right? You never know. But that person was in Rocky Tunnel, so for sure. So I know exactly what does you see know about women? Like, oh, so painful. But that's what we like to do. We like to live in denial. But do you know what Joseph did? Joseph said, brothers. Listen, what you did against me was evil. So Joseph not tried to deny. Joseph not, not to play dumb. No, 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 no. What you did against me was evil. It was really bad. But listen, he does not finish that. If Joseph finished that, then it's doomed. But Joseph continued. Listen, brothers, what you did against me was evil. It was bad. I was crying. I was in so much pain. But then he doesn't stop there. He said the, what, the two words that is extremely beautiful. What did he say? You man, evil, but God. I love that two words. So this is what Joseph said. Listen, I was crying, but God. I was in so much pain, but God. I was thrown into jail, but God. I was accused of rape, but God. Do you know what Joseph say? Joseph says this. When he sees life from God's perspective, he sees another story happening behind the scene. He sees another story that God is weaving that is greater, that is bigger than what he can comprehend with his own mind. And this is what happened. And this is what Joseph said. Okay? Joseph did not say this. Joseph did not say this. So the brother wants most men, you know, planning evil, and then God in heaven like, oh my gosh, angel, 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 angel. Pay attention to what the brothers did. I think they have, they have planned something evil towards Joseph. Make sure you watch over them, right? So when, and then when the, when the brothers did something evil, and then the angel reported to God, God, this is what they did, and then God tried to respond. That is not what God, what Joseph is saying. God is not a responder. He's not. But this is what Joseph is saying. Listen. Hear the difference. What Joseph saying is this. Listen, brothers. You had a plan. But God had a plan. You had a purpose. But God had a purpose. You have intention. God had intention. You meant evil. But God meant good. Do you know what happened? The exact same event. But two different things happening at the same time. The exact same event, but two things happening at the same time. And this is why I love it when Kimi sing today, you know, you never let go. Because let me tell you, until today, I will keep saying this. I know some of you think it's crazy, but let me tell you, leukemia is one of the best things God ever allowed in my life. Leukemia is one of the best things God ever allowed happen in my life. Do you know why? So God is not in heaven or surprised. Oh my God, what did happen? Angel 0401 come here. 
Why did you allow Yoshi to get leukemia? And then he's like, oh my God, gosh, I'm sorry. I was taking a pee and the enemy attack. I didn't realize, oh my God, what do we do? No, that is not what happened. See, God was in heaven. He was cool. And then the enemy said, I'm going to attack Yoshi with leukemia. And God says, God was laughing in heaven and God said, go, have your way. Try to kill him. Inflict him with leukemia. You had a plan, but I also had a plan. You want to kill him with leukemia? I'm going to open his eyes to see who I am through leukemia. Exact same event, two different scenarios. But the good news is this, God has the last word. What God meant always triumph what other people Man, that is our God. Now, if you believe this, then today the, we can breathe. You can relax. It's okay for you to be not in control of your life. It is totally fine for you to be not in control over your life. In fact, let me take it one step further. Listen, God has no plan B. None. God never have plan B. God never have to be, oh my gosh, you know, you messed up my plan. I need to make another plan. No. That's what we found throughout the life of Joseph. This sentence I keep saying, but the Lord was with Joseph. He was thrown into jail, but the Lord was with Joseph. He was accused of rape, but the Lord was with Joseph. He was sold as a slave, but the Lord was with Joseph. It was God's plan from the very beginning. God did not say, oh no, what we need to do now? God never, never need a plan B. For some of us today, some of you think that you have messed up God's plan so many times that you are living in God's plan Z right now. So you mess up the A, B, C, D, F, G, H, I, you come to pick you out a C. No, not a C. W, Y, there you go. Stop there. And now you live in God's plan Z. Let me tell you, that is not true. God has no plan B, C, D, E, F, G. God only has one plan, plan A. And nothing can stop him from accomplishing his purpose. Not even you. Not even you. Some people say, you know, the only person that can destroy God's plan for your life is you. Let me tell you, you cannot outdo God. You cannot. God is sovereign. He is fully in control of your life. In fact, if you look at the Bible, you'll find again and again that God accomplished his purpose, not despite of the people's mess, but through their mess. That is the God of the Bible. And this is the God that we serve. So we need to understand. See, it doesn't matter what you've been. doesn't matter where you were before in the past. doesn't matter what you did in the past. You are still in God's plan A. God can still make a beautiful, grandiose story out of your mess. How do I know? Because that is the cross of Jesus Christ. Do you know what happened at the cross of Jesus Christ? At the very same time. At the very same time, the cross of Jesus Christ revealed man at its worst and God at his best. At the very same time, the cross of Jesus Christ showed the wickedness, the greatest wickedness that a man can ever do. At this very same time, the cross of Jesus Christ said, this is the best news for humanity. That's what God can do. You cannot, cannot outplan God. He is 100% sovereign in control of every single thing. So now you and me can breathe. We can relax. You don't have to be in control. Even when you're in so much pain, God say, I can take that pain. 
I can take that pen and write a beautiful story out of it. And that's the whole point of the story of Joseph. God is in control of your life. God is not overlooking some details in your life. He's not. God is orchestrating every single detail of your life. He's not overlooking the mess that you did in the past. No, no, no. He said, I am orchestrating it. And I'm writing a beautiful story out of it. But here, hear me loud and clear. Even though God write a beautiful story, it does not mean that you can see the end of the story. It was never guaranteed that in this life you'll be able to see what God is doing in and through your life. But this is what John Piper says. I love it. John Piper says this. At the very same time, God is doing one ten thousand things in your life, and you might be just aware of three of them. But the goal is not to find the other nine 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 seven. No. The goal is to trust God. He's in control. He's God. He's good. And he will not, he will not, he will not miss a single moment of your life. He's orchestrating it. And the third lesson, and I'm done. You can come back, Laura. The third lesson that we can learn is this. Choose to extend grace. Verse 21. Do not fear. I will provide for you and for your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So this is what happened in the story now. Because Joseph knew he was not in the place of God. Because Joseph knew he was not God. He should not play God. And because Joseph knew that everything that happened in his life is not an accident, but God was orchestrating and writing a beautiful story out of it. Now when he was faced with the people who hurt him the most, his own brothers, Joseph can extend grace. You can only extend grace to those who hurt you if you believe, truly believe, in God's good providence. See, unless you believe, unless you believe that God is writing a story, that God is in control of every single thing of your life, you will want to be in control. You will want to be, you know, make sure that things go your way. You want to take revenge because you think it's up to you. But if you understand that you're not God, but there is a God and He's not you, and that this God is working everything, every single part of your life for one beautiful story, now you and I have the freedom to say, you know what? Whew, I'm just going to breathe. I'm just going to relax. I don't have to go, things go my way because I know it will go according to God's way no matter what. And when it goes according to God's way, it's going to be beautiful. So today, I can choose to extend grace to the people who hurt me the most. Because I believe God is weaving a beautiful story out of it. Now, let's conclude the story. Then what is the point of the story? Again, let me be clear. The point of the story is not this. If you just be faithful like Joseph, if you just stay faithful in jail, if you just trust God in jail and say no to sin, you will be one day, one day you will receive the super promotion. That is not the story of Joseph. Because let me tell you, none of us can be Joseph. If you try to be Joseph, you will be overwhelmed. Because now you go home, rather than having your burden lift off, rather than, you know, God, I'm not going to be in control of my life right now because anymore because I know you're in control. If you try to be Joseph, you will try to be in control. Because now you have, tick, checklist. First thing, you always said, do not play God. Okay, 
I will not play God. Number one, okay. I do not play God over myself. Okay, number two, I do not play God over other people's life. Okay, I stop. I need to start telling people what to do. Okay, checklist, number two, done. Number three, do not worry. Okay, I will not worry. Done. Number four, do not have grudge. Done. Number five, what's number five? Oh, God's working. Okay, God is working. Awesome, I do not see it, but God is working. Then number six, extend grace. Okay, I need to call my mother-in-law. Done. So, now you have this checklist of the things that you need to do and you keep like, uh, have I done enough? Have I done enough? And what happened is this, rather than you letting go control, you trying to control your life, which go back to the problem, you're still, to play, you're still trying to play God. Are you with me? Because at the end of the day, the story of Joseph is not for you to imitate Joseph. But the story of Joseph points you to someone bigger than Joseph and his name is Jesus. Let me just read you a few similarities between Joseph and Jesus. Just like Joseph, Jesus is favored by his father. Just like Joseph, Jesus leaves his comfort to find his brothers. Just like Joseph, Jesus is rejected by his own brothers. Just like Joseph, Jesus has to suffer unjustly. Just like Joseph, Jesus becomes the second most powerful person. Just like Joseph, Jesus refused to play God even though he was fully God. He did not see equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of servant. Just like Joseph, Jesus see everything that happened to him from God's perspective. The cross is both the worst evil and the greatest good in history. The cross is always, always God's plan from the beginning. Just like Joseph, Jesus extends grace to his enemy. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Just like Joseph, Jesus welcomed us into his family and provide us with everything we need. The story of Joseph points us to one person who completed even greater than what Joseph could accomplish. His name is Jesus. So what is your role and my role in the story? Do you know who we are? We were the brothers. It is our sin that put Jesus on the cross. It is our sin that crucified Jesus. It's us. It's our sin. He took it all upon himself. He died for it. So that now that everyone who believes in him, there is forgiveness. God said the penalty of sin has been paid. So now the righteousness of Christ is available for every single person who put their faith in Jesus. And then Jesus said, you know what? If you put your faith in me, tonight you will eat with me. You are my family. I will show you grace. I will show you love. I will provide for you and your little ones. That is our God. And when you understand this, listen. When you see the cross of Jesus Christ, you can stop playing God. Why? Because you see the one true God has come for you. When you see the cross of Jesus Christ, you can stop being worried about your life because you know there's a God who can make even the greatest evil in history into the greatest good, crucifixion. When you trust in Jesus Christ, then you know, you know, you don't have to be in control over the people, the life of the people that you love because God loved them more than they love you when then you love them. And because you see the cross of Jesus Christ, you know what happened? You can extend grace to your enemies because you've been graced by God. And the story of Joseph says this, okay? One conclusion, and I finish. You cannot be Joseph but you can be better than Joseph because what Christ has done for you. Christ has guaranteed that nothing but what is ultimately good 
will ever happen to you. Paul put it this way. I know you know the verse. Romans 8, verse 28. 28. And we know that for all who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. That's what Joseph say. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Let's pray. God, I pray that you help us to translate this beautiful story into our daily life. Because I know I want to play God. I know I have the tendency to decide what is wrong and right for myself rather than trust you. But I pray that tonight you remind us, Lord, that we are not you. We are not you. We are not God. But the good news is that we have a God who come for us. We have a God who work all things according to your glory, for your glory and for our good. Even though we might not understand it today, we can always trust you because of what the cross has shown to us. So this is our prayer tonight. This is my prayer that we understand that we may make decisions that from this moment we refuse to play God. And we want to see life from your perspective, God. And we choose to extend grace to those who hurt us. So help us, God. Because we cannot do this on our own. But by your grace, we can. So enable us. And we ask this in the name of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Let's turn to our faith as we worship.